And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even? Your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Each season, champion contenders. We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. <laughs> your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year. Band of 12 plus 6 here. Carson was top rookie. I'm seeing it now. Ain't playing around with Tatum and Hay with a brown. We off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up to date. You heard? <laughs> AJ, I, I see you, player. Shit! Welcome to Anatolia's Palabole! Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter for The Athletic. That's right, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen. And today we are joining you after the Celtics have opened training camp, which is uh, just wild because there was no offseason. Uh, but Jay, unfortunately... I think we got to start off with some bad news. And you know me, I'm Mr. Sports Positivity, bit of a, a opportunistic guy. But the fact of the matter is, we found out today, Kemba Walker is not going to be ready for the start of the season. He had stem cells injected into his knee, which I'm not exactly sure what that means. And we can get into that. But it, it, that's uh, typically, Eric, it can be a treatment for osteoarthritis osteoarthritis um that's a disease i know nothing about but uh we we'll talk about that we'll talk about uh how that impacts the roster moving forward uh the trade exception danny Ainge talked today was very ex- uh Celtics twitter was very excited because he got a trade exception back in uh return for gordon hayward leaving he made some comments today about hayward that are interesting we'll talk about that the return of evan turner so many things but start off with your reaction to kind of this news about Kemba. I don't think it was that big a surprise. And I honestly don't think it was a huge deal. I mean, now we know with certainty that Kemba Walker will miss the start of the season and that he'll miss the start of training camp. And we know how the Celtics went about trying to treat his knee during this rapid offseason, which definitely did not help his recovery from a knee issue that hindered him in the playoffs. But like we already knew Kemba was going to have a tough time with the, the quick turnaround. We already knew that the Celtics were planning to take things slowly with him. Um, 
So the fact that he's going to miss a couple weeks at the beginning of the regular season didn't stun me at all. I think it's it's wise for him to do that no matter how bad the issue is. And obviously the Celtics are hoping that this, this stem cell injection will help things and that the 12-week program that doctors have put Kemba Walker on will strengthen him for the season and eventually get him ready to go through an entire playoffs healthy like he was unable to do last season. And I think that's where the concern lies is that last year did go poorly for him, even after the four-month hiatus. And so now, you know, if you're trying a similar approach again, then you're kind of hoping things will end up differently. Um, But sounds like some young guys will get chances early on in the season. Oh, yeah. The, the the it's it's gonna be fun and poor Romeo Langford man that dude just has so many injuries and he's expected out until late January at least now what is it four to five months and he's like has since his surgery in September yeah so he'll be out for at least a month or so of the regular season and it, this could have been a perfect time to dust off Romeo Langford put him in there see see what he can do Instead, it'll be guys like Peyton Pritchard and Aaron Neesmith and Carson Edwards getting their shots. Oh, we'll talk all about those guys in the potable six-pack. Oh, no doubt. For the the Kemba news, you're right. I I hadn't really thought about it, but it's not surprising at all if you had to guess. Uh, We we talked about previously the Celtics uh, knew Kemba was going to be hurt. We knew about the approach they took during the, um, the bubble um, I think the thing that came out was like, he's not going to, it's just confirmed that he's going to miss uh, time because they're not even going to review like the decision until January. But then you think about it, the season starts on December 22nd. So that's like at most a couple weeks of games. The question is just how long is he actually going to be out? Because in, I think a crowded and more talented Eastern conference this year, games Games are going to matter on December 20. Well, maybe not December 22nd, because I always say season doesn't start till Christmas. But games are going to matter early, and they can't just go losing games and not having him in the lineup is going to be a big impact. And so the question is start without Kemba during the time he misses. I think you got to start Marcus Smart just because he's he's definitely going to start. I think if you go Marcus, Jalen, Tatum, Grant, um, and I lean towards Tice. Uh, largely for the same reason, like both Thompson and Teague are on the bench. They're just starting training camp today. They just like have to learn a new, basically entirely new system and just approach. And they're not even going to be able to do team workouts for what, another week now? Like they're only doing individual workouts now. I think the you have to lean into some of the continuity at this point and just go with guys who know what they're doing. Um, but the question is like, it's a decent starting lineup, but how much – how long is Kemba actually going to be out? Is he going to come back mid-January? Is he going to? Are they really going to take a cautious approach and maybe hold him out till February? I don't expect to see him on back-to-backs, uh, and it seems like with this shortened schedule, well, less games, but trying to fit uh, them into a kind of shortened time period, there's going to be more back-to-backs. I just think that it's going to be very interesting to see how much time Kemba actually misses uh, with this arthritis stem yeah. cell injection. And there's there's no promise that he'll be back in the first week of January when the Celtics said that they'll have another update. Yeah. They're just it. reviewing the data then. And the data yeah, will that, be like, his knee is inflamed when the, next, when the next announcement will be. So he could miss a month. He could miss more than that. Um, 
I do think starting Marcus Smart and starting Grant Williams is a pretty obvious choice. Number one, because I think you're going to end up needing Jeff Teague's offense off the bench. He's a playmaker. The bench right now with Kemba Walker out for an extended period of time is going to be just a like Shemi Ojale and a bunch of young bros. That's, Hanging that's out. It. Yeah. And, and Jeff Teague. And whoever loses the Tristan Thompson, Daniel Tice battle for the starting spot. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see how that happens. I think the Celtics starting lineup, if Smart and Grant Williams both start, could defensive be, machine. Probably their best defensive lineup, right? Like, Clampdown defense. Physical as hell. They'll be able to switch whatever they want to switch. Marcus Smart taking on point guard duties would be like, like that's as good a defensive lineup as the Celtics can get. We saw last year the Jason Tatum plus bench lineups, which were typically like him just surrounded by defensive-minded limited bros, <laughs> were typically awesome. And, and now he'll be doing that with guys who are more talented but also just as defensively gifted. So I it's think it's going to be crazy how much this turns into Jason Tatum's team with Kemba out, no Gordon Hayward. It's basically like you are the offense bub. Uh you pretty much need to do everything and so he excelled in those lineups a lot because the bench was so bad last year at least offensively and he's like playing against other uh, kind of bench units, but it's going to be very clear day 1 Jason Tatum is the focus of this team. I thought he gave a kind of interesting answer today about like what he needs to improve upon the most uh, heading into this um, playmaking was definitely one of those extending his range. I know you, uh, you like that. That's one of your go-to improvable skills, but, and then being a force on the defensive end, but playmaking is the thing that stood out to me. Cause it feels like, all right, Jason Tatum one, we're playing an offense with two bigs now. So there's just going to be like a lot less space. And I think that's less conducive to kind of the motion, read and react offense that Brad does. Cause he, I think that works the best with more space on the five out. It's going to feels like it's going to be a lot more put the ball in Jason Tatum's hands and just figure it out. Yeah. I think if you got Tatum on long MVP odds, I have no idea what his MVP odds are, but I feel like Kemba missing time probably helps your bet a little bit. And Gordon Hayward going helps your bet a little bit. Like the Celtics, their bench is going to be, very, very thin, incredibly thin, and their it starting lineup. Be. Their starting lineup is going to have maybe if, if if they do go with the starting lineup we proposed with Grant Williams and some center, then they'll have like two offensive non threats and Marcus Smart, who's typically a low usage guy, although he can make plays. And then Great, he's be, the best pick and roll guy, like. Yeah, handler on the team, but you still don't want to put the ball in his hands for a majority of the possession. He won't be taking a ton of shots. A lot of the shots are probably going to steer toward Tatum and Jalen Brown, and so I I think statistically they'll be two beneficiaries of of this injury. Um, obviously, the team gets worse, and then the other beneficiaries of it are going to be the young guys on the bench who probably would have gotten a chance anyway because the Celtics don't really have much wing depth. Um, but now it's like those dudes are going to get a chance to compete for minutes right away. And it could be two guys, two young guys getting minutes. It could be three. I, I'm, well, yeah. 
I, like there are a lot of spots up for grabs right now in that Celtics rotation. Do you think Kemba being hurt like automatically guarantees that Grant is going to start? Because, or do you like, is there a way, do you see a way or Jeff Teague and Marcus Smart could be in the same lineup or do you just so much value of basically like, you only have like, those are your primary playmakers, ball handlers. Do you automatically have to separate them um, just so you have someone running the offense who's not Peyton Pritchard? Yeah, I, I mean, I, it, it all depends on what happens in training camp and which rookies are ready. Um, but I do think for roster balance and then kind of finding an identity too, leaning on a defensive-minded first unit that just lets Tatum and Brown cook could be the best solution. And then having Teague run the second unit and kind of utilize his strengths as a dynamic guy who can get into the pain and create plays for others, I think that makes at least some level of sense. Um, but, I, I mean, obviously Brad Stevens will get the benefit of training camp to see which young guys could do what, um, how it looks with Teague next to the starters, how it looks with Grant next to the starters. Um, Is there any chance Aaron Neesmith starts – uh, with like a, a smaller lineup. So instead of uh, you put Jason Tatum at the four, Neesmith at the three, and kind of stick to kind of what the Celtics identity was last year. Cause I think no chance in France, my friend, because you have to be efficient or just know what you're doing on the defensive end of the court. And I don't think Aaron Neesmith seems like a very smart kid. I don't think he has the time to pick that up and be ready December 22nd. Yeah. I think Brad has typically leaned toward, when he does lean toward younger guys, it's guys who can come in and be ready defensively to no rotations, to do all that stuff right. Uh, based on Neesmith's pre-draft reputation, that is not necessarily <laughs> going to be a strong suit right away. Uh, so I do think there's like a there would be a benefit to having more shooting in the starting unit. But I think lineups with Tatum and Brown are going to score maybe they're not going to score a ton based on who will be around them, but they're going to score. And if, if you can kind of put together an insane defensive lineup, then that will probably be a pretty good unit. If Grant starts, um, Neesmith, I mean, it's, it's possible, I guess, but no, it's not. He'd have, he'd have to be <laughs> ready for the NBA after no summer league. After yeah, recovering there's just, from there's zero chance he's ready to start day one. After recovering from an injury that ended his sophomore season at Vanderbilt, and after not playing a game of any kind, never mind an NBA game, which he's never done since January. So, yeah, I, I don't think he'll start. The, the odds on that would probably be very low. I did look up the odds for Jason Tatum winning the MVP. He's plus twelve hundred. One, two, three, four. The seventh highest uh, or best odds. Worst odds? I don't know. He's the seventh ranked person in terms of that. I think uh, Kemba being hurt, you have to split up Teague and Smart. And Neith Smith knows chance. So I think that means Grant is most likely to start. I don't think there's any other guys you can really slide in at the forward position because the Celtics are so lacking on wings. Now, you wrote about it in the athletic um either today or yesterday about like what that starting lineup will be. And you specifically focused on one of the questions um, who's going to start at center. Is it going to be Daniel Tice and Tristan Thompson? We found out today Thompson like tweaked a hamstring or something while playing 
ball uh, over the summer. I'm not really that concerned about that. But given what you said about like, kind of crafting an identity, uh, being a stronger defensive team, who do you think is more valuable uh, around, I guess, the core, which is going to be Marcus Smart, Tatum, and Jalen Brown? I'm assuming Grant's going to start. Who do you think works better with that group, Tice or Tristan Thompson? I wouldn't be surprised if Brad switches up depending on the matchups. Oh, um, my God, that's what I was going to say. It's the most obvious answer. Because, number one, I think that's it's possible you you think, okay, Tristan Thompson deserves minutes against bigger guys. I mean, if they play the Sixers, you're going to put uh, Tristan Thompson in against Embiid rather than Daniel Tice. It just makes sense. Yeah, uh, but also I think after how good Daniel Tice was last season – I, I do think, and not that he's ever been like a high maintenance guy or anything like that, but I do think there's at least some, should be at least some concern that you go out and spend the full mid-level on another center. And obviously, like, you're not super concerned about Daniel Tice being a sourpuss and all that. But um, if if he just loses his starting job and loses minutes – ends up like splitting minutes with Time Lord in the second unit after having such a good season and being such a key part to what the Celtics did last season, I think you you kind of run the the risk of of pissing him off. And m- maybe you don't care about that because it's Daniel Tice and he was a hey, hey, player last year. You care about pissing off Daniel Tice. Danny two blocks. He's a B plus. And sh- shit, maybe maybe Tristan Thompson is just better. Um I don't. I don't really know if there's too much difference between those guys. I think uh, there's one major difference: is that Tice, he's not a great three point shooter, but he's a willing three point shooter. And if you're gonna semi, sometimes I mean, yes, he passed up a lot. He was kind of shook in the playoffs against the Raptors, but he does take them way more than Tristan Thompson takes threes. I just think the spacing. If you're gonna have Grant on the floor as a starter, Grant can hit threes in the corner, but do you really want two kind of bigger guys mucking up the paint when you have basically you're going to be doing, I'm imagining a lot of pick and rolls for Jason Tatum um, and Marcus Smart. I just think spacing wise, Tice gives you a little bit more options. And of course you can plug Tristan Thompson in against the bigger guys, the Embiid's, the uh, Vucevic's, people like that who you might might need want some size on. But I think Tice is just, they had a great off at the top five defense last year with Tice playing defense. A lot of that was his scrambling ability, um, how fast he played. I just think he has doesn't done done anything to lose his starting job and just gives you a little bit more spacing um, ability, at least just to pick and pop on offense, which I think is important. Um, but no matter what, I think with the whatever combination, the Celtics have a pretty good defensive lineup. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. 
Head over to MichelobeUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Yeah, and I think that's the key for them, right? Like, it, it doesn't really matter who starts there. The bigger key is that you're going to have, in a playoff setting, 48 minutes of good defensive play from your center position. And they couldn't rely on that last year. Not when Cantor was in the game. Not when they went to Robert Williams instead. Only if they decided to play Grant Williams, who's a six foot six, could they know that they'd be getting good defensive play from their backup center. And so I, I think it's important. And, and that's kind of one of my questions for this team is how does Brad just split up the 48 minutes between Tice and Thompson? Because last year, Tice played 24 minutes a game. And if he does that again, and Tristan Thompson plays 24 minutes a game, then what happens to Robert Williams? And so I, I'm, I'm intrigued by that. Uh, I think it's possible that the Celtics limit the minutes of Tice, limit the minutes of Thompson, find some room for Robert Williams to play. Um, but like also, they could also just play those two guys and say, you know what? They're better than Robert Williams. Does he, Time Lord have to play power forward to like get some he time? Can't play he power just forward, man. he just it's completely out of the out of the question. He he's so lost on forward. defense where it's like if he's not anchored by the rim, it feels like he would like you can't really have him switching out onto like and a guy can, like Tatum. He's just not there to have a guy with or two guys with no like real offensive skill set. He can pass, man. Dime Lord's out there. Dime Lord. Dime Lord is a better passer from the center position. I had to, you know, I just had to ask the question. Now, with this being said, the Celtics seem to be short on wings and with the Kemba situation short on playmakers. Now, Trader Danny today, well, not today, but it came out over the weekend that he did get a trade exception. Biggest trade exception ever. What a win for Danny Ainge. The biggest, biggest trade, trade exception, exception ever. ever. So that is worth $29 million, 28 I forget the exact number. I mean, what an offseason for the Celtics. Extended they lost, they lost Gordon Hayward. They biggest saw Kemba Walker get an injury. Exception but, ever. But they have a trade exception. Trade exceptions are pretty. And Jeff Teague. And Tristan Thompson, uh, but they did they like record? it is somewhat useful. Like they could go out yeah. and trade for a guy um, right now, like a some maybe a disgruntled player on a team, or I don't know, someone like a close personal friend George Hill who's on a one year deal. They basically have a large chunk of money to be able to go out and get a guy. This is a something Danny Ancient wanted to talk about it today in his press conference, but. It's like we might use it at the deadline or we might use it next offseason. It just does give them an opportunity to pick up a player. Now they can't use the full $28 million just to add a guy. I think they're $20 million underneath the hard cap. And so if they wanted to trade for a guy with a higher salary than $20 million, they'd have to throw in um, a few players to match that. But it does let them pick up a guy, and we they do seem to be short on guys. And yeah. so they might need to use that uh, before the trade deadline to pick someone up now. And, and when you like you look at recent trade exceptions, and I know historically trade exceptions mostly go unused. Um, but you look at recently the Golden State Warriors use theirs to pick up Kelly Oubre, who's not going to be like a franchise cornerstone, but is a useful a useful player 
a young player and someone who should figure into their rotation and maybe their starting lineup right away. So that's the type of player the Celtics could target, someone who maybe is on like a a bloated contract, so the current team doesn't want him, but in a different situation, it would make a lot of sense to go out and target that guy and have him be a piece that gives you more depth. Um, Are you more like like – do you think they're more likely to use it on someone on an expiring deal? So basically just like a pure rental or I think I saw danger cart tweet this today um, on Twitter at danger cart was just talking about going after a guy with maybe more years on his contract. Like you suggested three years so you can get their bird rights and then are able to sign them over the cap um, later on. Is it worth like trying to target an investment or do you think it's like a one year let's go for it kind of guy? I think, I mean, in the Celtic situation, I think they should be looking for a longer-term investment because as you look at their situation, they're building around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who are both very young and will be around for at least four or five years, right? And, and so you're trying to contend for that window, and you're trying to position yourself so that beyond that window – both of those guys, and especially Tatum, want to stay in Boston. So if if you can, then getting someone young, getting someone with long-term money uh, makes sense. Like, like I, I know the luxury tax will be a concern, but if you can go out and add to your core with that, then, then that would be huge uh, to me. And, and you look at guys uh, What do you around- think about a player like – Aaron Gordon because his I, I was salary, just gonna bring him up. I was just gonna bring him up. He's only making eighteen million dollars this year and then actually going down sixteen million dollars next year. So two years of Aaron Gordon, I don't think that would you would get his bird rights for coming with that, and that's something you have to deal with in the future because you couldn't sign him going over the cap. But he's a younger guy. Uh maybe some positional redundancy, but it would go you like allow you to go back to kind of a small ball super wing versatile lineup. I don't think he's really like working out in Orlando. What are your thoughts on adding someone like him to the mix? He's the exact type of player that would make sense to me because he's been moderately productive. Like he, he hasn't been bad. Um, and I think there's still upside there to mine for some team. And then on top of that, the situation in Orlando is kind of going nowhere. And so it's not clear they'll want to keep him long-term at that price. So a player like Aaron Gordon is the exact type of player you could want to target with a trade exception. And like the, the other guy, might not be Aaron Gordon, but somebody like that in, in a situation where like he's a good player, but doesn't make total sense because of the situation. Um, a guy like that, and, and I do think if the Celtics don't use this trade exception, they'll consider it a failure because they, they, oh, use, yeah. they use two second-round picks to to make this sign-and-trade happen, to create this trade exception. And I, I, I think that you know if you do that, you're trying to use this. And you can split it up into different guys. Like you could, you could get one $7 million player, one $10 million player, and and kind of split it up, but but no, I you do can't do that, that with a trade exception, right? It has oh, to be one. Can. 
Oh, you can. Oh, you can get multiple guys, but you can't add another trade exception. Uh, yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. It's very tricky, folks. If you, John Corrales, our main man, was a- answering everyone's questions about trade exceptions on Twitter. I, I thought the questions were planted, but that's right. You can get multiple players into one trade exception, but you cannot like combine the trade exception they got for Ennis Cantor into it. One of the guys I think that works like along those lines of an Aaron Gordon, I don't know how willing the, uh, San Antonio Spurs would be willing uh, to like give up this guy, but Dejounte Murray, like his, the money works. He's on a longer contract with Kemba's health being an issue. I think getting some kind of backup point guard or guy who could st- like step in, especially a guy who's like pretty good defender, would kind of fit in with the identity of this team. I just think a backcourt of Dejounte Murray and Marcus Smart would be hell. I think he would be a nice guy. I, don't know if the Spurs are looking to move him. I've just seen him on like hypothetical lists people have been tweeting about, but money, but he's a long-term fit. And I think, I don't know, just the Kemba situation's not great. And so is he going to be hurt next year? Is he going to be hurt for the rest of his contract? Maybe adding some point guard depth would be uh, useful for the Celtics. Yeah, but I think Marcus Smart gives you a little bit of leeway there because he can play point guard if you need him to. And then, having Jason Tatum as just the primary creator too, that gives you some leeway. Like you don't, you don't necessarily need a, a, a point guard per se around those two guys because Tatum's going to be handling the ball so much anyway. And, and smart can do some playmaking duties and Jalen Brown can do some too. Do you so, think they like, I don't want to say panic move, but do you think they say Kemba's hurt for a while then they just go out to try and get a one year rental uh, at the break? Like, I don't like, I don't know who's who's necessarily on a one-year deal. Like it seems like they would ideally want to target that, but given what you said, like they want to use this trade exception, it comes to the trade deadline. Do they just go out get a one-year guy who maybe is bolsters their depth a little bit? Yeah, I, I mean that's possible, but I think if if you end up getting a rental, then again that that's kind of a failure, and and not necessarily um, that all traded player exceptions work out better than that a lot of them just expire but if you have this huge traded player exception and you have an obvious need for depth on your roster then if you get a guy who's going to be a, a have a brief stay in a year that you're not a title favorite then then that to me would be you know pretty disappointing so that means we're going to have trade talk on this podcast what are they going to do with that exception all year long. You know what else we're going to do all year long? The potable six-pack, baby. That's right. It's time for Jay and I oh, yeah. to pick our top six of anything, really, any category. Today, we're going to do young guys who are going to step up with Kemba Walker being out. Jay, I will defer to you. Who is the first pick? And now, hold on. How are we defining young guys? First and second year only? Is Time Lord a young guy? Time, Time Lord counts. Anybody on their rookie contract who didn't start last season. All right. So basically the entire roster, except not Jeff Teague. Yeah, Trip- most of the roster. Yeah. All right. All right. Who's your Who's your number one guy you think is going to step up? I'm going with Grant Williams. It's the obvious choice. It, it, Grant Williams, we both – Picked him as our probable starter, at least when Kemba Walker's out. I think he'll need to be more versatile because 
he won't play as much center, I don't think, with Tristan Thompson on the team. But I think there's a chance that he improved as a shooter. And if he did that and shows a little bit of the playmaking he flashed in college, then there's a chance he'll be better offensively. And he was already good defensively as a rookie, which is really rare. And I think gives him a chance to earn an obvious, obvious role on this team. I think Grant Williams is a guy that will play a bigger role than he did as a rookie. I think it's fairly obvious just given that he was trusted in the playoffs and got like big playoff minutes. He did miss a very key free throw uh, uh, in the Raptors series and Jason Tatum saved him, but he made big plays. You got to stop on Fred VanVleet, bro. He got a very big stop on uh, your boy, Fred Van Vliet. I think he's just obviously the person Brad trusts the most at this point. We, I've already locked him in to being a starter on this team, so he just is going to have so much more of an opportunity to make an impact. It was the obvious number one pick. Um, that's why I, I deferred to you because uh, – Thank you. Thank you. All right. Now, now it's a wild west. Now it's insane. And now I haven't thought about this once, so this is pure gut. I'm going to say Romeo Langford. I like I know, that. I know he is hurt. I know it's going to take some time, but we've seen flashes of what he can do. He's pretty strong defensively. Uh, he can attack the rim. He's a good athletically. I think once he gets back, he's going to get the first chance to really like be the backup wing off the bench. I just think he's just a solid athlete, switchable guy. Has a year in the system. I think like it just makes sense to me that he's going to be the next guy up uh, once he's fully healthy. Getting fully healthy is important, but we're this potable six packs for the impact over the entire year. I think Romeo has to be the next man up. And I think if the Celtics, you know me, I'm thinking optimistically, like if everything goes well, if the Celtics were in charge, Romeo would be the next guy after Grant. One thing Danny Ainge said in his Zoom press conference today was that there are two young guys on the roster who didn't play much last year who could potentially provide scoring punch. Let's do Ro- some deductive Romeo reasoning. Has to, <laughs> Romeo has to be one of those guys, right? Is he talking about Semi Oshale? And, and it's Is Semi Oshale a young guy? Romeo never really tried to score during his rookie season. Like, didn't even consider trying to score, even when he wasn't playing with the starters. But he had a big scoring reputation before that. I do think the Celtics front office um not in a sense like brad stevens screwed up last year but in a sense like it would have been cool to see romeo langford play some more minutes as a rookie i think they they are curious to see more of him and what they have in him now this is where it gets really wacky i have no idea who to pick here but my second round pick i'm torn between two little guys and I'm going to go with Fast PP, Peyton Ooh. Pritchard. I think Kemba's going to be out. There's going to be some availability, like some minutes, some stints, like some six-minute stints where they're going to need a guy to just come in and run the offense. Because I think Teague and Smart are going to play together. They might not start. I think they're going to be staggered. But they're going to play together. There's going to need a time where either Tremont Waters or Peyton Pritchard is going to come into the game I love Tremont. I love his playmaking. I think he can do a lot of things on the offensive end. A little bit more concerned about his defensive impact. And I think uh, Fast PP, Peyton Pritchard, feels like a gamer, an intense guy uh, in the Marcus Smart school of just impacts winning. And so I think he's going to 
earn himself a roster or some impact just because Kemba being out, you need a guy who can just play like run the offense. And that's like pretty much what he's done uh, his whole college career. He's not more NBA ready. I'm not going to use that term, but he like the fact that he's a little bit older, he's more experienced in the game of basketball. And so I think he'll have a more of a chance uh, to actually make an impact. And the ball is going to be in his hand was in the game. Whereas Neesmith, that's kind of like, he has to kind of create his own opportunities there. Pritchard will have more control over what's going on. My pick, Robert Williams. Ooh, I thought you I thought you had written Robert Williams off. See, I've still got some Robert Williams stock. And I know the situation isn't great for him. But I'm picking right now between guys who really haven't shown much. You're picking him over Aaron Neesmith right now, who's their number one pick this year. 50% three-point shooter, fake stat in college. Shemi, Shemi Ojale is also on the board. He's not a young guy. I don't count Shemi as a young okay, guy. We, we won't count Shemi Ojale as a young guy. He's a bona fide role player at this point. He He's not a young guy. Um, yeah. So, I, I, I just think of all the guys possible, he's the only one who showed legitimate potential last season. You're he's the same the only... guy who just told me that they're going to play 48 minutes of 24 no, 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 minutes, no, no. Tice, no, 24 no, no. minutes, I said uh, they, Tristan Thompson. I said they could. I think they they could feel comfortable giving those guys all 48 minutes. I think Robert Williams showed enough in his second year that if he gets a little more detail attentive, that would go a long way. And he can do things that very few guys can do physically. He's a steal and block magnet. And I, I, I'm not ready to sell all my stock in Robert Williams yet, even though they went out and signed Tristan Thompson and haven't really shown too much organizational confidence in him based solely on their roster moves. Um, and then Neesmith. Neesmith is my second choice. Third if he choice. Can shoot, if he can shoot at the NBA level, then that will give him a chance to earn minutes for the Celtics. That's literally all he'll have to do. If he can shoot 38 to 40% from three on reasonable volume, then he will be useful for them no matter how shitty a defender he could be. Yeah, if you just have to follow him around on defense, uh, it's it's useful for the Celtics and he'll create space for Jason Tatum. Uh, I think he's like kind of the obvious, and he's just going to have more opportunity given just what the roster construction is at the forward position or the wing position. I think that leaves me with a final pick. Got to go with Tremont Waters. I just don't see Taco really doing anything. um, What about Carson, bro? We got to change the intro. We got to talk to Aziz and we need to change the intro to our song. One, the Carson line makes me laugh every time. Two, Gordon Hayward's no longer with the team. So we're going to need some new lyrics um, for the upcoming twenty. 21 season but I just Carson hasn't really shown me much Tremont Waters is at least a playmaker it can do things um I Tremont's a buy I have more faith in Tremont shooting than Carson Edwards right now Ainge said there were a couple of guys who could use the <laughs> offense was he talking about Tremont who's still on a two-way contract or was he talking about Carson Edwards the former Purdue flamethrower I don't think he was talking about Carson Edwards. I know you need to go, but there's very important news we need to talk about before you do. Huge signing. Signing of the offseason. Evan Turner, the actual the kid, the kid that people recognize. E.T. coming back to be an assistant coach with the Celtics. The greatest quote in the history of the Boston Celtics. That's a bold statement, but I'm going to stand by it. 
How excited are you for the uh, the return of Evan Turner? I need Evan Turner press conferences daily. Before That's- and after every game, ET should speak. He should be Brad's anger um, translator. Like he should be this, like willing to say things that Brad won't. We just need more Evan Turner all the time. The the night or two nights before the news came out that he agreed to join the Celtics as an assistant coach, he said on Twitter that he wants to fight Jake Paul. He can do both. I see no reason why. No, but I'm saying he's probably the first assistant coach in NBA history to go on Twitter and say he wants to fight a YouTube star. So he's already setting records, ladies and gentlemen. This honestly, like I've gotten used to COVID nineteen restrictions. This is the first time I've been devastated that I won't be allowed to go to practice, or probably won't be allowed to go to practices. Because Just the casual side, like back in the day when Evan Turner was with the team, and we had like pregame availability. I would just walk into the locker room and plant myself next to Evan Turner because you know you're going to get a good quote or at least a fun conversation. The guy's just a, a, a joy to be around, and so it's very exciting that he's going to be an assistant coach. I have no idea about his coaching ability, but I think it's pretty cool that he's going to be back just because it's a positive environment. Clearly likes the Brad system. Brad utilized him a lot. They were like uh, kind of close, and so um, that's good news for the Celtics. Jay, I know you need to have to go – I thank you for your service. I thank you for your time. Listeners, thank you for listening to this episode of Anything is As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.